Welcome on back to the next episode of the Country and Cold Cans podcast. We are the Oak City Drifters. I'm Logan. And I'm Andrew. And today we actually have a very special guest on the show. Uh, we have singer-songwriter, one of, in my opinion, one of the most prolific songwriters I've, uh, in, in music today. We have the frontman from the old 97s, uh, Mr. Red Miller. All right. Howdy, y'all. Well, uh, we appreciate you coming on the show. I, I definitely like, uh, I got to say, I'm a huge fan. I've been a fan for a few years. My older brother like kind of turned me on to you guys about three, four years ago. So, nice. yeah. Well, thanks. And thanks for tracking me down. We're backstage at the Before My Durham show. Yep. Oh, Welcome yeah. Welcome back to North Carolina. Yeah. Over here at uh, Motorco Music Hall. If anybody, uh, you know, in, when next time he's in town, y'all need to definitely come and see whether he's on a solo show or with the old 97s because it's, it's definitely a great time. But, uh, but anyways, like, let's, I guess let's jump right on into this. So, um, basically, like, like I said, I'm a big fan of the old 97s. So, like, I, I kind of wanted to start there, like, how the band was founded, like, you know, exactly. Yeah. I know you and uh, you and you and Murray go way back. So boy, the old '97 started 25 years ago, and Murray and I started before that. God, like eight years before that. So I was, I don't know, I was uh, 15 years old when I met Murray, and I opened for his band. Was my very first gig I oh, cool. ever did, and he recorded some demos for me. And I was just a little high school kid, <laughs> and then he produced the first record I made in uh you know still in high school and then i went off to college and murray talked me into dropping out which seemed like a good idea <laughs> at the time and i'm um, sure that went over well with your folks oh my god and i had a full scholarship too and i oh, gave wow. it up yeah like a jerk but then um but we started a band called sleepy heroes okay. and that band kind of floundered and then we went through a bunch of bands and they were none of them felt real natural and we decided because we were trying to do like a rock thing that right. didn't really sound like us exactly it just didn't feel natural and then we uh kind of got sick of it and we quit for about six months and then we came back together and said what if we do something that nobody will like what if we just do something that we like that's kind of country and folky and we'll play in coffee shops and so we started doing the old 97s and at the beginning we didn't have a drummer and then uh we wound up getting Philip not long, not too far in, because we realized we wanted to rock a little oh, bit. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, and then it's been 25 years. Oh, I wow. can't even believe it. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Like, that actually kind of segues into the one thing that I, I've always been uh, enamored about with the old 97s is like the, it seems like all the mix of different like uh, genres and influences. And like, I, I hear like, you know, the country, I hear the folk, I hear the, then the rock and roll and everything. I kind of wanted to see like exactly what were the big influences on y'all as a band and also the influences on you as an artist individually. Yeah, well, Murray is the musicologist. He's the one that gets obsessed with music and used to buy box sets when that was a big thing. Oh, yeah. Buy all the CD box sets and just go down deep diving in all the crazy catalogs of people like the the Carter family. When we started the band, the Carter family was number one. Right. Y'all can hear right now, Joshua Ray Walker is sound checking. Maybe he's coming in in the background of this interview. He's really great. Oh, yeah. Check that guy out because I found him through uh, via BJ Barham on Twitter. Yeah. He's definitely somebody you should definitely check out things about him boy josh is great and he's young and he's just got his first record out and he's got big things ahead but um but yeah but so when i was his age and and a little younger it was you know i liked um i kind of grew up liking like uh you know i came from the beatles into like you know british stuff and then i came back around later and fell in love with hank senior and willie nelson and johnny cash oh yeah and then um so yeah, so the, the the songs that I started writing were some kind of weird hybrid of the 
you know, the kind of country and folk music I grew up hearing a lot, and then the stuff that I'd kind of gone out and rebelled against the, right. the country and folk by finding this British stuff. So yeah, it's um, I've never really fit in super well with like the straight up country yeah. crowd just because I, I've always come at it from a different right spot right you know? yeah it's kind of like with um that kind of like alt country kind of sound as as it was more so deemed at the time like mm-hmm. with with uncle tupelo like all that stuff the no depression era and all that like it, you guys were kind of like at the very beginning of that on the forefront of that as well like with the alt, alt country kind of like uh movement that was going on like did you guys kind of like see yourselves as a part of alt country or what did you think about that term when it kind of like stuck i remember when it when that term got invented like there was so there was a lot of terms flying around like we just thought we were weird we thought we were like kind of folky kind of a little bit you know we're definitely throwing some like buck owens in there we're thinking a lot about that and hank senior and um so but yeah we didn't really think about what we were too much we just knew that we wanted to be this kind of thing that we liked. And then all of a sudden there were a few bands that kind of sounded like us. And uh, Uncle Tupelo was was around at the time. And they, they, I remember, were one band that I was like, oh my God, these guys are kind of like us. And then they broke up. In fact, they finished their very first album they ever did. They uh, moved all their stuff out of the studio the morning that we, that afternoon, moved our stuff in and recorded our first demo oh, cool. in Cedar Creek in Austin. So it was like this weird kind of connection where their final recording ended the morning our recorded started in the same room. So, yeah. um, and I've, you know, I've since become friends with Tweedy, and I think he's done yeah. great stuff. Phenomenal and, artist. Yeah. I mean, he's yeah. obviously made a big effort to be more than that. But but I remember when that became the word alt country and they you know some people were calling it insurgent country and some people were calling it you know they were trying out the you know is this outlaw country and and um alt country felt right because the, at the time alt rock was such a you know a thing that people were using to describe what was happening in the 90s with rock music right um so alt country was kind of just a response to that alt rock moniker um, but even that felt like, um, immediately that felt restrictive and reductive, and I was like, "Well, that's okay. That's a little bit of what we are." Right. But um, people just they need to be able to describe things, so yeah. they come up with words. And and it feels like yeah, we kind of see this in music now today. It feels like anytime there's a country element, they want to automatically group it in as country, even if you can't have something that's just like country influenced. You know, yeah, they country- want to put a label on it, exactly. a specific exactly. label on everything. And uh, that's not always necessary. Good music is good music, you know. So. Yeah, definitely. I, I mean, I, I used to use the word, and now now uh, I kind of feel like it's not a fair word to use, but I used to feel like there was a country ghetto, and we would get stuck right. in it. Because when we were on Electra Records, and they had like Third Eye Blind and all these kind of yeah, yeah. big pop bands, and then they would look at us and go like, what's wrong with y'all? Why do you got to do that? And I was like... I remember they wanted really badly when we signed to a lecture, they wanted us to take the word old off of our name because oh, they felt yeah. like that really was like a country signifier. Right. Can't you just be the 97s or be the new 97s? I'm like, <laughs> oh, look, I, I know it's bad marketing to be called old, but at this point it's too late. How did that name come about, the old 97s? Uh, Murray and I were going back and forth and he really loved the Johnny Cash. Uh, didn't, Johnny Cash didn't write it, but Johnny had a hit with the song Wreck of the Old 97. Okay, yeah. So we became the old 97s. There was a Joe Strummer, the lead singer of The Clash, had a band called the 101ers. Right. So when I was like, I don't know, Murray, that sounds weird. He goes, well, Joe Strummer had a band called the 101ers. And I was like, okay, fine. (laughs) And I remember at the time we were like, well, wouldn't it be confusing when it's 1997? Because this was 93. And we had never had a band that lasted more than like 
six months. So we thought, oh, well, that'll never be an issue. And now <laughs> it's like 25 years later. <laughs> yeah. And now 1997 was 23 years right, ago right. almost. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, speaking of like country legends, like one thing I, I definitely wanted to ask you about was um, when you guys did that, uh, those, cut those tracks with Waylon, Jen- Waylon Jennings. Like, that's awesome. Like, how did that come about exactly? Because you guys were kind of a young man at that point, I think. Right? Oh, yeah, we totally were. Yeah. We had just put out, I think we had just put out our second record on Bloodshot. So we'd only, it was 94. And Waylon saw us play at a radio thing that we did that was in a conference room at a hotel. And Waylon sat in the front row. And um, and it was just, it was terrifying, you know. He was like five feet in front of me, and there's like neon lights on in the room, and I'm like, <laughs> oh Jesus! But I did my thing. I did what when we did our thing. We were loud, and we were kind of like you know the punk rock version of country music. And um, and he was real nice afterwards. We got to meet him, but I didn't think anything was ever going to come of it. And then he talked about us in the paper in Austin a couple of weeks later. And somebody sent, you know, this is like old days with mail. Somebody mailed me a copy of the Austin newspaper and I read it and I was like, oh, he's like, some, somebody said, what's the future of country music? And Waylon said, the old 97s are the future of country music. Wow, and I was like, oh my God. That's high praise right there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so um, I wrote him a letter in the mail and put it in an envelope and mailed it to him and said, man, if you ever want to do anything together, and um, and then I heard back from we heard back from his manager saying Waylon wants to record with you guys as his band, and uh, he, and so he's picked out two of your songs, and so we went into the studio with him and recorded the two songs, and he got sick right after that and wound up in the hospital. Oh, wow. And um, so they got shelved. They didn't want to release them with him being sick, and then he ended up getting better for a little while, but it wound up just kind of he didn't do that much after that I remember Shooter was there that day that we recorded Shooter was hanging out and he was just a little like high school kid wearing a Nine Inch Nails (laughs) t-shirt it was sweet Waylon couldn't have been nicer or cooler or more generous or you know because he didn't have to be nice to us but he was you know that he told us stories he gave us advice you know I still think a lot of times about just some of the stuff that he told me that day just as kind of a mentor yeah yeah that's awesome yeah, and I think about that now when I have, you know, younger people coming to me and asking about, you know, how how would you do it and which nowadays it's so hard. I don't even I'm not really sure what to tell them, but but I always try and, you know, take time and and just try and remember how nice he was and how much it meant to me. Right. Try to return the favor to the new kids coming up today as yeah. he did for exactly. you back in the exactly. day. I mean, as it's obvious that it made a big impact. So it's, it's something definitely that I, I think is very respectable that you do for younger artists now. So, Thanks. Yeah. yeah. And it's worked out. I mean, you're wearing a turnpike hat right now. Oh, yeah. and I just Big remember, turnpike hat. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, when I very first met Evan, he was already, they were already doing, they were already doing great. And he'd already sort of found his voice and mm-hmm. figured it out. But, um... But I've definitely, you know, stayed friends with him and we've written songs together. And I, you know, there have been times when Evan's even come to me and asked me questions. And I've been like, well, let me tell you, you young whippersnapper. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, like I saw um, actually a few years ago, I didn't, um, you did some dates with uh, BJ Barham when he was going on a uh, solo tour, right? Because I think I remember him posting on Instagram. You get, He thought it was crazy that he was getting to ride around with, with Rhett Miller. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like that was pretty cool. Like Because yeah. like American Aquarium is my favorite band. So it was, oh, like, cool. was kind of cool like to see the connections there. But yeah, BJ is great. Yeah, yeah. But um, so like when it comes to like your solo record, so I'm like, Full disclosure, I'm a huge fan of 2002's The Instigator. Like, I, oh, that's thanks. in my regular rotation of records all the nice. time. 
specifically the song Our Love, like that guitar solo on that is badass. Dude, John and Bryan, who produced awesome. that. Yeah, it's, yeah, I remember when I was uh, interviewing musicians to be in the solo band to go mm-hmm. out on tour to do that. Really, the whole audition was just play that solo. I mean, because right. there will never be anything harder for a guitar player to do than the, yeah. the, solo, the guitar solo on the song Our yeah. Love. It's just this crazy. At the time, John Bryan, who did that solo and produced the album, was studying uh, Chet Atkins' guitar, mm-hmm. where Chet Atkins would do a thing where he'd bend a string up, and then with the finger that bent that string up, he'd pick up another string, and then bat, and as he was bending the first string down, he would bend the, the string he'd picked up up. So he'd be bending, wow. you'd, be, you'd have <laughs> strings going up and down simultaneously, and it was it's crazy yeah, and it's yeah. just so hard to do it but and it sounded phenomenal on that track too yeah. like it's crazy cuz like as somebody who like i'm reluctant to call myself a guitar player cuz i know the uh you know the they're just a regular gcd e minor kind yeah, of stuff yeah, yeah. you know me like too, me too. just enough to facilitate being able to play open mic <laughs> but yeah. but uh but yeah like that i love that record and like one thing that i kind of noticed and i wanted to ask you about this whether this was conscious or whether this was just how it kind of happened like if you hear like early old ninety seven stuff, you definitely hear a very strong country influence, and in yeah. like in, like we talked about the old country kind of thing at the time. But as you went on, it kind of became a little bit more rock and roll. Yeah. Then it was kind of like the inverse with your solo stuff. Like you had yeah. a little bit more of a rock and roll record with the Instigator, but it kind of started to drift a little bit more, like you know, rootsy with some fiddle and some pedal steel sure. and everything as it went on. Well, there's a thing that happened where when I first started doing solo records. I felt like I needed to make it super obvious to the fans Mm -hmm. why I was doing solo records. I had all these songs that my band didn't like, you know, and they were piling up and piling up. And finally, I went to the guys and said, would it be cool if I made solo records because you keep turning down these songs that I think are good? And, um, And they were cool about it. But I felt like I needed... I needed a real clear delineation between what the 97s do and what I did. So I made a record that didn't sound like a 97s record at all. But then as the 97s have gone on, we've become more of like a garage band almost. Right, right. And so as the 97s have moved away from, and this is actually in the last record or two, we've kind of gone back a little. But as the 97s have moved away from like real rootsy sounding acoustic stuff, it's like made it possible. And now that people aren't freaking out about me making solo records, right. the fans getting afraid <laughs> the band will break up yeah i've been able to then go in and kind of fill in that gap by making solo records that use fiddles and pedal steel and and do a lot of stuff that the 97s aren't even doing anymore oh yeah well that's awesome because like i definitely noticed that and i I love your solo records too like uh one song in particular for your new record um i used to write notebooks yeah it's it's awesome because like i hear so many artists like when they talk about songwriting how they used to always it was pen and paper yeah now everyone's writing on you know iphone notes iphone memos everything it's just kind of like the way the world has I still yeah. actually do. It's like that. It's like that uh, Mitch Hedberg joke where he says, uh, "I used to do drugs. I mean, I still do drugs, but I also used to do drugs. But as I, I used to write in notebooks, and I still also do write in notebooks. But I do. It's everybody I know now has switched over to writing on their laptop, right. writing yeah. on their phone, and I'll do stuff on my phone yeah, yeah. too. But I just like the idea of paper, and I, if I right. drop it in the fucking the lake, it's not yeah. gonna." You know, stop. You know, lose all my exactly. stuff. It's not gone forever. Yeah, yeah I, I, I def- definitely relate to that. And there's something to be said for kind of like sticking to. I'm a a big uh, guy that likes traditional kind of stuff. So it's yeah. like it's something to be said for pen and paper when it comes to writing a song. Yeah. But uh, you, do you have any questions? Like, because I've been kind of like dominating. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So. I'm sitting here too, just listening <laughs> over here, just listening too. Um, do you do uh, questions? Do you do any co-writing? Yeah. Or do well, you write strictly by yourself? 
Uh, I love writing by myself and I've never really, I never felt the need to co-write, but then it became a thing that people would talk about and, and I'd get asked to do it. And um, sometimes it's great. Like I love writing with Evan and uh, he and I've written, you know, a bunch of songs that I really love. And in fact, there's a couple of songs that I think are going to wind up on the new 97s record. There's oh, cool. a couple of songs that have wound up on Turnpike records that he and I wrote together. I mean, Evan is a, he's tough to write with because he's so He's so good. I yeah, mean, he, there's yeah. not a lot of room left there. I heard there, you in know? an interview yeah. he said that when it's his idea about a song, he gets real hard-headed about oh, it. Oh, yeah, 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 for sure. <laughs> I heard, too, he said, too, when writing songs, he likes to take other people's ideas and then come back and just fill in the blanks. He said it's a lot easier that way because there's not as much pressure having to come up with the original idea for it. Well, that's true. And the, and the songs of, of ours that have worked best together that I feel like are the most collaborative are the ones where I've kind of brought him something and then he's filled in all the holes because if it's, if it's his... Like, I'll listen to it at the end, and I'll be like, I guess I did a couple of things in there. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, he, but it's, you know, it's like, that's kind of how I feel sometimes. It's like, I don't really need the help, but I do like, uh, and every once in a while, I, I have needed help. So it's good. Like, Ben Queller and I wrote a song together that I never would have finished without him. There's a song that I wrote with Evan I never would have finished it unless it was for him. Um, but there have been times where I've gotten put together with people that it didn't feel like... There's a pop, Jessica Simpson's little sister, Ashley Simpson. Yeah, okay. I got put together with her, and she never ended up even making a record, but I did all these sessions with her trying to teach her how to write songs. And was, <laughs> right, right. I mean, you know, whatever. I've, um, but, you know, but then I've really loved writing with Nicole Atkins and Caitlin Rose, and, and we wrote a song with Brandy Carlisle that, oh, yeah. that turned out to be so great. And she seems like she's on the cusp of breaking out right now, like after yeah. that Grammy performance, and then, like, uh, I saw her with... Um, uh, performing at Loretta Lynn's yeah, yeah. party. Like, I, I think she's on the cusp of uh, kind of hitting that next level, kind of like we've seen with Tyler Childers and Jason Isbell and things yeah. like that. I think it's I think it's happened for sure. She's yeah. a star. Oh, yeah. that voice is just unique and phenomenal. Like when yeah. she hits that, uh, her Grammy performance, when she hit that note, mm-hmm. like, I can't remember the, the line in the song off the top of my head right now, but just like it, when you when you hear it, you know like yeah. what I'm talking about. Like that, that was an awesome performance. Yeah. But, uh, oh, so great. Yeah. Is there anybody uh, that you haven't got to write with that you'd like to write with? Oh, man. Um, you know, for a while, I really wanted to write with Jenny Lewis, who is just uh, just on tour now with a new record that's out. And we actually had a session lined up years ago. And then uh, her management called it off for whatever reason. I think they were like, well, she doesn't need any songs. And I'm like, well... But I do. <laughs> Thanks. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But um, yeah, she's, I've really loved a, a lot of songs she's written. I don't know, man. I don't, it's funny. I don't think too much about that. Um, I enjoy writing sometimes with writers. Like I've written songs with this uh, novelist, Michael Shabon, who I really like. Mm. And Ben Acker's a, another writer that I've written songs with and really like Ben Greenman. That's a cool thing too, because as much as I love writing words, uh, novelists, like proper writer writers, prose writers, they come at it from such a different place that it, right. it shakes it up and it pushes me in a good way. It's funny, tomorrow I think I'm supposed to talk to um, um, John Darniel from mm-hmm. Mountain Goats, oh, yeah, yeah. who lives here in town. He's a hell of a writer. Right. Oh my god. I mean, his lyrics are insane. I just can't even figure out how he gets to where he's going. I mean, uh, yeah, and I don't know that I w- would want to write with him necessarily. Right. Not that he, he wouldn't need any help, but I love the way his mind works. Oh, I'd yeah. love to watch him write a song sure. and be able to ask <laughs> him. Like, pick his brain. Yeah, like, why'd you do that? Why'd like, you go there? I know recently you just kind of like um, read an article on No Depression about songwriting. Yeah. And like um, I've read that, and uh, we were talking about that on the way here to Durham, actually from Raleigh. And is there like a particular, um, I guess, 
I guess, format that you always follow, or does it just kind of come differently each time you write a song? Man, every time is different, and you have to know that a lot of times it won't work. Like, right. I sat down this afternoon, I was able to check into my hotel, and I was going to write a song, and I had a little chord progression that I thought was cool, and I ran it into a wall, and then I went and did some other stuff, and I came back to it, and I had some cool ideas, but it's, again, I kind of ran into a wall. I just think that when people get frustrated, probably with any kind of art, but I know for sure with songs, that it's just, you got to know that that's part of it. Like, you know, if, if you give up and say, well, I'll just come back to it. Some you're, When you come back to it, you're going to run into a wall too sometimes. And you just got to push through and push through. So I don't know, man. I just, I feel like you have to do it even when it doesn't feel great. Because every once in a while, you'll sit down and you won't expect it to feel great. Mm-hmm. And you'll get a song 30 minutes later. And it'll be the best right. song you've ever written. Oh, yeah. And you'll have no idea how that happened. Yeah. And so you just got to put up with the hard times because every once in a while you'll get rewarded by oh, one yeah. of those great Just times. trying to push it throughout. Don't quote me on this, but I think it was Jason Isbell that was saying that he doesn't think that writer's block is a real thing. He said he thinks that you just need to get out the bad yeah. and then follow the, uh, it normally is something that's really good that follows the bad. Man, yeah, I, I agree. And I don't want to shame any of my co-workers that do talk about writer's block because we all talk about things and think about things in different ways and that's right. fine for them but I know for me I don't believe in writer's block yeah, I yeah. just you do what you do and, and sometimes you run into a wall and sometimes you write something that sucks you just got to keep going because the next thing won't oh yeah and while we're talking on the topic of writing like I, I know that um you recently have actually been doing um like poetry like like <laughs> just kind of like tell us about that how, kids how, poetry. That came, how that came about I got these kids that are now they're teenagers but when they were in there you know a little younger we were reading a lot of Shel Silverstein and so okay, I just thought well, yeah. I thought man I could I could do something like that so I started writing them and the next thing you know I had this big batch of uh these kind of subversive kids poems and they're stupid and silly and and of some people have gotten upset about it. There's one where the dad's begging the older sister not to murder her younger brother and he's listing off <laughs> all the ways she could murder. And yeah, it's like, dude, it's a joke. You know, people yeah, have hit yeah. me up on Instagram like, this is so horrible. And I'm like, yeah, it would be horrible if right. people really were murdering people. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, but that's but why day, it's, it's, a, it's a, joke. a joke. Yeah, exactly. Sometimes people just need to kind of like take it easy a little bit. But, totally. Uh, but um, I guess like another thing I, I did want to ask you about because we're kind of about to hit our time limit here. But um, I'm like, so you guys like we had talked about earlier how you guys were kind of part of the all country scene, and then like that kind of like kind of fell out of favor a little bit. And then like now I know there's this like Texas Red Dirt kind of like scene out in that yeah. region. And while I wouldn't say you guys are a Texas Red Dirt artist, you've kind of been embraced by that community, yeah. so to speak. Because I mean I, I've seen you do videos for like Texas music scene, like when Ray Benson was hosting that and everything. Like how did that really kind of come about? Was it like how you guys kind of like started to kind of become associated with that a little bit it's funny because i'd kind of heard about it a little bit but i didn't know what it was or understand it because i mean i live in in the country in new york now right so um so there's just there's there's stuff that happens that i'm you know that just checked out on off being a dad but um so when i got to be friends with um evan from turnpike it kind of opened up this whole world of me. I'm like, oh my God, you guys, there's like a whole scene here and everybody's right. doing it and there's actually good music because I just figured, I don't know, like it was just something that I wasn't going to get. I was like, okay, yeah, I actually like a lot of this and, and a lot of these people are, uh, you know, people that I am that I knew about already and I didn't realize that they kind of got lumped into this um, genre and then the next thing you knew, I, I started doing stuff like the Mile Zero Festival and right. doing tours with uh, American Aquarium and, and I realized like, Oh yeah, actually there's artists in this genre that 
like the old 97s and, and call us an influence from when they were starting. And, right. You know, that was the funniest thing to me was seeing how great Evan was. I remember hearing Seven and Seven and going like, oh my oh, God, oh I, wish God. I'd, yes. I wish I'd written that song. Yes, and then, that's an awesome song. And then he told me, he's like, um, yeah, when we started the band, the whole idea was old 97s with a fiddle. And I'm like, oh my God, that's so great. I've, right. wanted, I've wondered when it would finally happen that somebody yeah. would come and point to us. So. <laughs> and like, honestly, I can kind of hear the influence you guys have had, like with their their guitar tones and everything, like and like yeah. the, the speed in which they, their, their tempo of their songs. Like, cause that's one thing that you guys, y'all, y'all have a lot of tempo and a lot of your music and i dig that yeah yeah so well, they i think one thing that they're really good at is is giving the audience a good time right oh I, yeah i think For that sure. one i think one thing that some bands fall into a, a whole a trap that some bands fall into is you get too much into like oh i gotta be serious and right. i gotta you know and this is a heartfelt or whatever You're like yeah. oh jesus well still you know what still <laughs> everybody made an effort to be here tonight they right. made good money and they want to have fun yeah, so yeah. don't forget and about can, that you can still do sad lyrics set to a, a yeah. fast tempo song. A fast tempo yeah. Song yeah. with the that's, loud fiddle, yeah, yeah. that's it's like been uh, my trick forever. The, oh, yeah, it's guitar, awesome. yeah. Yeah, sad exactly. songs played loud. I really like it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I guess it. one last question I have for you um, before we kind of like wrap things up. I've always heard, and I always wanted to ask you in person: Was do the old ninety sevens really not ever rehearse? <laughs> You know, we just uh, put out a Christmas record last year, right. and we started a tour in Seattle, and we all flew in one day early and did one rehearsal for that tour, because we had to learn all these Christmas songs that we right. recorded, but only played like one time. So that was, we were all looking at each other going, this is so weird. That was the, probably the only rehearsal we've done in, I don't know, 15 years. But, you know, <laughs> we just... Crazy. We've, we've, you guys are so good. Like. Thanks, man. We just played so much. And we'll play a song in Soundcheck and kind of learn it. And then we'll probably screw it up a couple of times. And then eventually we'll get good at it. But right. yeah, I just I think there's a, a level of laziness with some of my bandmates. And yeah. I, I I do gig, solo gigs between tours all the time. So I'm always kind of off book on stuff. But, you know, I, it's not rocket science. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> well, is there any new music on the horizon from the 97s? Yeah, man, we're um, we're writing right now. It looks like we're going to go back in for pre-production in September. We will do that still. We'll mm -hmm. go and get together and work up songs. And then probably studio in October, probably new record in the beginning of 2020. Okay, awesome. Right. Yeah. Well, I guess since we're running a little close on time here, before yeah. since we're on a podcast here yeah. before the end, I heard you started a podcast. Yeah, I got a, a bit about that. I got a show called Wheels Off that um, comes out every two weeks where I just interview artistic type, creative type people about, you know, their process and their life right. and their their journey. And I just uh, I'm trying to be useful. I'm trying to get people to think about stuff that'll help other people who are struggling or, you know, right. like we talk about running into walls. Yep. Yeah. Heck yeah, man. That's awesome. Like, I've been listening to it. It's good stuff. But uh, we, we do want to thank you again. We can't thank you enough for taking the yeah. time to do this, man. Yeah, like, we absolutely. really do appreciate it. So. Well, it's super cool. I'm glad y'all yeah, yeah. are doing it. Thank Thanks. you. Thanks. And uh, thank you. I guess this wraps up another episode of the Country and Cold Cans podcast. We are the Oak City Drifters. I'm Logan. And I'm Andrew. And we will see you next time.